T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one. Zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. You could always download this. PGP on its own DA show podcast platform, either the permission granted podcast platform or the DA show podcast as well. So wherever it is that you get your podcasts, just search the DA show and you'll get this and the regular show as well and the best of the show or type in permission granted. You can get us there also. Remember that the DA show is also available every single morning on demand so after the show you can listen to us whenever it is that you want to listen to us either full episodes or like i said the best of joining me for side a right now is Mraz, and Mraz tuesday's show had a lot to it a lot baked into the crust of a tuesday mothership <laughs> yes it did uh, this would be the equivalent of, I guess, combining one of these crazy pies with some apples here, some blueberries there, maybe some chocolate chips, and everything just bursts in your mouth because you have quite a few flavors that came out of Tuesday's show. So I want to, I want to clarify one big thing here. the The biggest talking point of Tuesday's show was the phone caller part, and that was that we had Dixie Landan on a Trash Tuesday. Trash Pete or the rest of us, I forget whether it was just Pete or the entire show, about not picking up his phone call. And that led to a long segment about do we pick up phone calls? Do we not pick up phone calls? Do we pick up them when they're, you know, when they're calling, when they're ringing? Do we ignore them? Should we take more of them? Other people chimed in, like Rob in the 321 said he's been. He's been put on hold for a half hour before anybody even talks to him, then up to two hours to even get on the air. That was, I think, when Shep was running the board, he said. So this spiraled, and then other people piggybacked on it, and other people defended us and said, hey, we don't listen to the DA show for the phone calls. We listen for you guys. Leave Pete alone. He's the only guy back in the studio. Answer the phone. So this became a huge topic. Okay, so I just want this very clear. I did not read those tweets or go down this road to somehow 
badger Pete about this. I I read all of the tweets. I read all of the the missives. And on a Trash Tuesday, everything is fair game, including myself. So I was just reading that. It spiraled into me wanting to help Pete and asking, hey, do you need me to go to bat for you with the bosses to get an extra set of hands in there? But I think you interpreted it as it was badgering Pete, and that was not my intent here. Well, so that yeah. I apologize for. I, and I think Pete would obviously be more than happy to accept your apology on that. I don't think badgering was the word. And obviously Bogus felt a little of what I was feeling in real time as what was caught on cameras by Kaplan on the watch DA. I don't think badgering is the word. I just think when it comes to discussions and we often do this because I know I'm on the terrible end of many of them of what happens in house. Sometimes they can get to the point where it's a little awkward when there's not any right answer to what we're looking for, if that makes sense. So in real time, when you're, when you were rattling this off, you know, there's kind of Pete looking for the right answer, the right words to try to say things as politely as he can without trying to either make himself look bad or make anybody else look bad. And I just think the way that it went down wasn't necessarily badgering, but more I could just cut the tension with a knife. At least I, I felt maybe from the Pete point of view, and I probably misread your point of view because it, it did at times come across not as badgering, but as you were a little ticked off and wanted direct answers from Pete. Pete was probably a little ticked off at you that we were having this discussion on the air, and he just, I, I sensed it, clearly listeners sensed it, and clearly based on Bogus' choice of what he had to read, sensed it, and it just made, for to me, very uncomfortableness. But I know I've been on the other side of that too many times as well, and it's probably what we do and what the listeners like best is that we are most honest on the air, and there's not a lot of things hidden off the air on what we discuss about so i made a bad situation worse that's basically I, so. I pressed a bad situation and made it worse i think so i think joking around see because here's the thing you doubled down on the dixieland dan which is you know dan's feeding the beast anyway we had the first trash tuesday tweet and we had fun with it when dick when Pete answered for Dixieland Dan's tweet. It led to a follow-up an hour later Dixieland Dan tweet where, in essence, Dixieland Dan, let's face it, was trying to call Pete a liar. Like That is was the essence of the tweet if you went back and listened to Tuesday's show. And I think that essence is immediately going to put Pete on the defensive in that, and that might be a little unfair because now also we're taking the word of Dixieland Dan over our own and Pete, and then it becomes a whole thing. And right. I think on Dixieland Dan's follow-up of a tweet – if it was that serious an issue, maybe something we all could have handled after the show. I've been like, hey, here's what Dixon and Dan's saying. What's a better way to streamline this process? Hey, Pete, do you need help back there? Is it really getting over? Something like that. All the conversation we had on the air, I think, would have felt less tense off the air if handled a little differently. I think that's true. That That's actually very good advice. Yeah, see, the, the problem was that Dixieland Dan tweeted originally, I'm trashing you guys for not picking up my phone. My phone call, I had something funny to say, or I thought I had a good trash or whatever, and, and nobody picked up the phone. And then when I read that, Pete responded that he did pick up the phone. He might have put Dan on hold, and then Dan dropped. But then Dan responded, no, I called four times. It was just ringing. And so, like you said, it was accusing Pete of lying in that instance. So who knows if, if any of that happened? Who knows what side is telling the truth there? So then that spiraled, and you're right, it, it kind of it fed the beast in a negative way instead of a positive way. But, I mean, here's the thing. It's understandable that Pete says he doesn't have the attention span to pick up the phones because that was a two-man job. 
he was entrusted with running the board and doing production, and you were entrusted with answering the phones before pandemic. Since pandemic, we're all working from home except Pete, and so he now has to do two jobs in one. So Pete's frustration is understandable in that instance. And that's why I was saying, if this is a problem, let's go to the bosses and say it's a problem and let's get some help. Right. And I guess my counterpoint that I, you know, I I was reluctant to say, because, you know, again, I'm trying to defend both of you guys and Pete and all this stuff would be, you know, it's a little tough in that instance to now go to bosses and say, hey, Pete's struggling with this because, like I tried to allude to on the air, this is now something that's seemingly not working from home necessarily, but permanent on the other side of the glass for every show at CBS Sports Radio is that, you know, what was a two-man job has become a one-man job in a lot of ways due to whatever reasons, cutbacks and this, that, and the other. And, you know, in, in management size, if Pete, if we go to Pete and say, hey, can we get Pete a little help here? Well, why aren't the other shows asking for help, this, that, and the other thing? And then it probably puts Pete in an even worse position, you know, maybe through eyes of, of very important people. And then I don't think that necessarily helps either. So I, I think ultimately it's a, it's a losing battle on a lot of fronts that I could see where Pete would get defensive. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I see what you're saying. Well, I just, here's the thing. As you know, when we're on this end of the show, we get all of the complaints, okay? So everybody tweets at us. If there is audio that doesn't fire correctly, or let's say that like the podcast is labeled incorrectly, we hear it, okay? Yep. We get the tweets about it. If something happens, commercial breaks that we don't even control on local affiliates, we get tweets about it. So if people call the show and they don't get picked up, we hear about it. I get tweets all the time that I don't read about, you know, calls not getting through or whatever. So, you know, that's the other part of this is like, you know, the flip side is, yeah, the people behind the scenes might be the ones entrusted right. with this. But like, I can't do anything for you. If you're Dixieland Danny, you're tweeting at me, your phone call's not getting picked up. I'm not there to pick up your phone call. So. I really also don't know what you want me to do at this point in time. Cor- no, absolutely correct. And look, the listeners have a, a reason to voice their their frustration. And the fact of the matter remains when, you know, most of our shows on CBS Sports Radio have the majority of the people working at home and have one guy controlling things back at the studio, there needs to be a decision made while you're going to accomplish all of your jobs, what am I prioritizing in real time that matters most for our show? And Pete has internal decisions he has to make there. And it doesn't mean he's not answering calls necessarily, but how quickly he gets calls up, how long he leaves guys on hold before getting to him. He has a feel for the show and where you're going and segments like that. And he is either maybe making executive calls on prioritizing when he answers calls or stuff that aren't jiving with what the listeners want. But I, I think maybe that just calls for a collective, you know, show discussion. Where do we prioritize things? Hey, you know, in the midst of something, you know, where do these phone calls belong? And if we are prioritizing phone calls, we want Pete all over it, then maybe, you know, we need to either dedicate segments to it or, you know, wait on paying off a tease to make sure we get the phone calls to help him out on that. Because then otherwise, why is he prioritizing that when he may be falling behind and grabbing sound and pulling certain stuff we need? It, it is a juggling act back there for one person that every show, I am sure, has had to deal with in this new world of radio and and pete's had to make his decisions of his own and unfortunately when we're the morning show and there's a lot of moving parts and we have so many dedicated tweeters and listeners i think pete is going to hear the brunt of it more so than other guys on other shows would because there's a lot of attention here 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and I don't want it also to sound like I'm I don't welcome critique of the show because I do. The listeners are very important in this way. I like getting feedback and I like knowing what works and what doesn't. So, no, I do appreciate hearing when you're frustrated with us because that helps me do our job better. I'm just also saying in the middle of a show, you kind of know what's going on. If you're tweeting at me about the phones not getting picked up, either I'm going to talk about it on the air. And that might be awkward. We're going to have to talk to Pete down the line because he's the only guy back there. So, you know, you could just tweet Pete if you want. But if you tweet me, it's probably going to end up on air. So that's right. That's basically the bit there. So let's go also into a conversation we had today about your dad and the athleticism that your dad brought to the table. Was that Tuesday? That feels like two years ago. I mean, doesn't it? So much happened on Tuesday's show. Because Tom Brady's niece hit a home run for UCLA in softball, and we were talking about the great genes that she must have, that her mom, Tom Brady's sister, was an All-American softball player, and Tom Brady's brother-in-law's Kevin Euclid, who used to play Major League Baseball and won a World Series with the, the Red Sox. So, like, this family has tons of athletic genes. And we, I asked you, where would you get your athleticism from? And you said your dad, and I did not know that Bob the Deli Man had a history on Long Island of a great Little League baseball player and that he went up against Frank Viola, I guess, in the 70s, maybe, early 70s? I, I So my dad was born, geez, in 1960. So I have to look. And I think it was more than Little League. I believe it was junior high and high school as well. Oh, Frank oh Viola. so your dad played baseball through high school. He did. My dad was actually a very good baseball player, uh, good hitter, slick fielder. Yeah, my, they're – Exactly the same age. They are both 60 years old, born in 1960, and grew up the next town over from each other. So okay, they had a so, rivalry throughout school. Yes, yeah, so th- throughout the 70s, it's Bob the Deli Man versus Frank Viola. Viola ends up winning a Cy Young Award in Major League Baseball, becomes a World Series MVP for the Twins in 87. And and always your dad has this these bragging rights that he used to own Frank Viola back when he was a kid. So... This is an amazing story that I'd like to delve more into, but, um, you know, have you ever seen any, I guess there wouldn't be footage of your no. dad playing, but I guess pictures of him? Definitely seen pictures. De- when my grandfather passed away, there were definitely pictures, you know, whatever, when you go through the old pictures and stuff of him in the Little League uniform and stuff like that. But I grew up, when I grew up, I mean, one of the things I loved to do the most was my dad continued to play ball. I mean, he was on every you know, food town and shop right team, every this. My dad at times was playing on three or four different softball teams uh, when I got, when I was growing up. And I used to go to the games at night. And, I, and that's kind of part of the reason I fell in love with the game of baseball growing up is I got to watch my dad play softball. And, and I had a good time. And my dad, I, I'm not trying to toot his own horn, but would always be, you know, the third hitter, the fourth hitter. He would always be the best player on all the softball teams. And I, I got a joy out of watching it. Anytime I go to a game and I meet somebody else new from his childhood or somebody knew him way back when, wherever he hopped on these softball teams that knew him from when he was a kid, I'd have to get shoved down my throat. Oh, your father with the stick on Frank Viola. That's the, the all I got my whole life was the Frank Viola story shoved down my throat. So, <laughs> and it's not like it's just, you know, you know how like anybody's parent could pop out, you know, like uh, the uncle in, in Napoleon Dynamite. I could throw the ball about a quarter mile. You know, when you meet enough different people that don't know that you already know this story from other people, I have I have no reason not to believe it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's great. It's just like it's perfect that your yeah. dad owned Frank Viola. That right. Of all the things, 
your dad owned a World Series MVP growing up, and he always has. It's like the Al Bundy pull Kai three touchdowns in a game. Right, right, right. And and for me, I laugh now looking back that now I've hit my adulthood and obviously with the flag football and I've played a bit of softball myself, not nearly as good as my dad on the diamond, but yeah, I'm decent, played some deck hockey and stuff like that as an adult. And I look at all the adult rec league sports because I like staying active and I just think of my dad being this age and just picture the stupid, fo- oh, we got to add Bob to the member. We were younger. Bob used to own Frank Viola and that's how he ends up on three or four teams is because he got up there and got a few hits versus Viola. It's just ridiculous to me in hindsight but kind of cool so last week you and bogues discussed how your parents were very upset at oh. me and bogues for making fun of the tom brady hype video that included a tweet about your column and you know i guess it didn't strike me i didn't understand why your parents would be so angry because we were just having fun with a totally absurd situation that tom brady would have used a tweet that of your take to motivate him to win a Super Bowl and admit it is just so kind of hysterical. But your, your parents got mad, and I guess I didn't put two and two together, that your parents are really proud, not necessarily just of your broadcasting career, but of your writing and this column that maybe if you had just said this on the air, it would have hit differently for your parents. But your parents are protective of you as a sports writer. Yeah, and I, I think because they watched me and knew that that was my dream, and obviously we've joked a, r- a lot about communal showers, not filling out stuff, not taking the SATs. I mean, there's a hit list of things where I went wrong in school, but I think the one thing they knew growing up that I, I had this passion for, like I, I was actually, I, I joined the clubs, the newspaper clubs in junior high and high school. I, I joined the broadcasting club. So I think the stuff that they saw I took interest in while being terrible at the other things in school at times, if there was an honor student, is something where they see me, you know, still do that to this day, whether it's my column or stuff that they're very prideful of and supportive of. And when they hear it basically made it seem like it is the absolute nothing of the world to them, it is like raining on anything that they supported me doing my whole life. Have they calmed down? Uh, I think so. My dad didn't care. So as I said, I had to quarantine a bit from Florida. So I finally got to see my father Saturday. We were watching a little college hoops, a little hockey. He came over. Didn't mention a thing. Acted totally normal. You know, we had actually a couple beers like men and enjoyed ourselves. And it was it was fine. My mother I still have not seen. Though I do have to note that Friday the show ends. And we had made the jokes on the air Friday following your recap of the PGP. And I had to do some shopping, and I was going to take Taylor out to the store and stuff. And I got a call from my sister, who still lives there, and said, what happened on the show today? What happened at the end of the show? Mom's so upset, she she had to go for a drive to clear her head. I'm like, <laughs> what? And, like, I, I actually thought she was kidding. I go, and I didn't remember. Like, I didn't even remember. That's how little I thought of that moment on the show, where I guess I, I compared her to Annie Apple, I think was what I yeah. said. So I, I, I actually dug deep. I was in the aisles of Costco. I'll never forget this on Friday. And I'm going, I don't, Sarah, I don't even know what you're talking about. Then she calls back. goes, oh, dad told me she got all bent out of shape because she said you're going to distance yourself from her in her life if she keeps putting herself in your career, which was stuff I was totally, obviously, if you were listening, laughing and joking about, unless apparently you're my mother. And it prompted her to fire off uh, later on that afternoon a rattle of texts telling me not to be mad at her admitting to messaging you out of anger she thought she deleted it but only deleted it out of her inbox didn't realize you actually got it which is such a typical mom on facebook move she promised it will never happen again she will try to stay out of my career we're proud of you yada 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 da and bo i'm looking breathing breezing through da and bogus just carry it far a bit too far sometimes for me 
uh, this, that, and the other thing. Please accept my apology. So she, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm talking, I got like 12 texts here. Uh, wow. And we'll, we'll talk more in person. I still haven't seen her in person. So she took it to heart when she heard me say I was going to distance myself from her. So <laughs> it is Because unreal. she doesn't care if we're upset at, well, I would never be upset at Nancy and Bob, but she doesn't care if, if we're talking about her overstepping her boundaries. She does care if yes. you threaten to push her out of your life because probably because of Taylor. Oh, I assume she, cause she really doesn't care about me anymore. It's all about the grand <laughs> grandkid. Let's be honest uh, for sure. And I guess in her mind, if she's going to the lengths to defend me and then in the end, her defense is leading me to say to a 200 radio affiliates nationwide, my mother's Annie Apple and I need to distance myself from her. Maybe it's not as funny to her. And she thinks it more personal. So maybe I'd like to have that joke back. I don't know. <laughs> So your dad's calmed down about that bit. Your mom hasn't. Like, right. well, if, well, wouldn't you calm down too if you had all those hits against Frank Viola? I think. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to announce how we are going to solve uh, or pay off the Patriots bet. Now, sure. we'll do this on the air, but. For those wondering, we have figured out how we're going to do this and when we're going to do this. And I would say we're probably a little over two months away. So yes. something to look forward to about two months from now. But, you know, you're going to have to start shopping for that colonialist costume. I've begun to look into it this weekend, actually. So I got now some minimum ideas. $50 spent. Have you priced yep. them? Uh, yeah, and it's very difficult to get a colonial costume for under $50. So that's not going to be an issue. Okay. That is All not right. going to be an issue. There's some, I mean, not, not, to, not to delve too deep into this. It's a matter of what kind of look I'm going for. Okay. Um, what kind of person I'm going for. Uh, the Quaker Oats guy has his own costume. I was thinking about maybe going down that road. Also, they have really cool with the wigs and the tights and everything. I could order that separately while going with what seemingly is now in style, these awesome hoodies with the frills and the pirate shirt look, the revolutionary hoodies. I was thinking about maybe doing that because I could keep that long term with the rest of the outfit I could put together. There's a lot of different options I could have. I spent a little much, bit, probably too much time researching these over the weekend, but I'm nearing a purchase for sure. I tend to think you'll actually look pretty good if you do a traditional colonialist outfit. I kind of think that you look a little like Ben Franklin if we threw a wig on you and bifocals. I might. I might. I, I'm i also very weary, DA, on the thickness of the roll-up white hair wig I'm going to have to get. Because I am, uh, full disclosure, the, the thing I'm most nervous about is not the dodgeballs. It's the clam chowder dumped on the head. <laughs> I don't have a layer of regular hair to kind of absorb as if it's a Brillo pad. So I, I think I'm looking for a little bit thicker on the top of a wig. I'm trying to actually see if there's a way I could judge thickness because as good as I might look, I am worried about burns to my scalp from clam chowder. So thickness of the hair now has really worked its way in despite the fact of how I might look otherwise in the costume. I hope we can get everybody together for this. I hope we can get Pete and Bogues and Cap and you and I together for this because if we can... It would be a great party to, to dump chowder on your head, yeah. to throw dodgeballs at you, and then to, to have a beer or two to celebrate. We have not all seen one another sure. in a year now. I've seen you individually, but I have not seen the rest I... of the guys in a year. You saw Bogues last April when you were doing the Easter Bunny, but right. 
And then I saw I saw Bogues and his family again when they came to my town to go to a donut shop. I met him by the water a little bit. That was over the summer. So I've seen Bogues twice. And I saw Pete once or twice when I had to go back into the studio to do one or two of those shows. I was thinking that you had not seen Pete yet because the one time you tried to go back into the studio, you ended up having a fever and they didn't let you in. Well, remember, that was that's, that was so ridiculous. <laughs> that would have been a third time. But if you remember, there were two different times where I had to switch out equipment and I did shows in mm. studio. In fact, the one day where I was wearing my tropical shirt and doing the dances uh, to Milkshake, I was in studio that day and I was able to see Pete. So I have seen Pete. It was that third time I tried to go in and they knocked me down for the high temperature and threw me out, threw me out of the room. They threw me out. So I've at least, at least, except for Cap, I've at least gotten a little bit of a taste of all of you guys at some point, but nothing like the camaraderie we used to, you know, we used to have and we usually have. So I think this kind of moment, whatever we choose to do here, where we're paying off a bet, it could be a nice celebration of reuniting everybody for the first time. I think it could be a really nice moment and a, and a nice day. And as, uh, you know, hopefully cases continue to fall and vaccinations continue up over the next two months, and we can pay this off in two months. So you've seen me. You've seen Bogues. You've seen Pete. Yes. I've seen you. I don't know if Bogues has seen Pete. So the one guy nobody has seen is Kaplan. Correct. And we don't know we don't know what his hair could look like. He could have long hair. He could be completely bald as judging by his past. We don't know what Cap looks like right now. This is a great behind-the-scenes part of the conversation. When we get on the air, of course we have the – the zoom screens up so that on watch da and the simulcast cap can go to all of our cameras so you will regularly see the four of us on camera so we all know what each other looks like every single day we see each other in these zoom calls even if you're not seeing it on the simulcast we see each other we don't see cap cap is not on camera <laughs> no he's not cap has not been on camera cap could be naked doing the show for all we know his he hair has could, to have been a couple times for sure. His hair could be down the small of his back. He could have grown out that beard to make it look like James Harden. None of us have any, we don't have any knowledge of how Cap has looked in a year now. It's incredible. It really is. And I, I kind of like that there's at least one mystery part of yeah. this too. Because, yeah. uh, you know, with all due respect to all of you guys, and obviously I've mentioned that I've seen everybody, on, you know, I'm the only one that has seen the other three. We do look at each other every day, and maybe we've changed in a year, but maybe we don't because we literally do look at each other and see each other every single day. Yep. And the idea that there'll be some sort of bit of a mystery when we all join forces again and not knowing what Cap looks like, I think is nice. I think it's really nice. I think this. I, we need a little surprise. Give me a surprise. We need a little surprise in our lives, and when we are all back, you know what? We're going to get to see Cap's big unveil, and it's that's going to be a big party. <laughs> He's been sitting there having fun, making memes about everybody else, making fun of each other. Let's see what he looks like. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be a good time. So we'll, we'll announce the details of paying off the Patriots bet coming up here, maybe right after NFL free agency or something like that. That'll be the next big sure. moment, something sure. like that. So, all right. Well, you're going to talk to Bogues on side B, or are you going to delve into the awkwardness of Tuesday's show or leave that sleeping dog lie? You know, it's a, 
Off the top of my head, I don't know. That decision is going to be made in the next two minutes because I think we did a good job of handling it in side A, and I'd hate to derail that, but I also feel like we need Bogus's points on this. So I am not going to give you an answer. You're going to have to listen to figure out whether I chicken out and ask him or not. You know, you could just ask uh, Bogues, you know, Bogues, just to start off, let's just get your take on the phone call situation. Then you don't even have to respond to it. You could just move on to topic B. All right, that's a good interview technique. Maybe that is where I'll have to go. I feel like, like I just want this day to end. I it was like when want... Daniel Ponce de Leon said he doesn't like Ponce de Leon the Explorer, oh. and I just had to move on. Yeah, that was, just, again, another part of Tuesday's show. Could write a book on the show alone. Cardinals pitcher Daniel Ponce de Leon had this amazing story where he got hit in the head by a line drive four years ago. He had bleeding on the skull. They had to do massive surgery. He comes back. He makes it back to the majors. Inspirational story. Just wrote a book about it. And I said, do you have any relation to the explorer, Juan Ponce de Leon, who discovered Florida? And he said something like, like, I'm not really too cool with him or something <laughs> like that. Something he didn't want to say it, but he was he was anti Ponce de Leon, which, to be honest, you don't hear many people be anti explorer. Right. But. He has roots in Mexico, Ponce de Leon, Daniel, the pitcher's family. And, you know, those explorers were pretty ruthless and brutal to the indigenous people. So I think he felt that way about him. But I was like, wow, I did, I did not expect it to go that way, that this guy was very yeah. anti Juan Ponce de Leon. I wouldn't have expected that either. And there is an anecdote that should be brought up when I did a little research on him. His original last name was just Ponce de Leon as one word like yep. Ponce de Leon just like that and he legally changed it in 2018 to the spelling of the explorer mm -hmm. so that is what threw me off if you're that anti the explorer I would just now I need to know why did you change your name to be more associated with the explorer yeah because because the explorer was three words as a last name yes D-E well, you you could figure out the rest. Yeah, Ponce, but he yeah, and he had no spaces in his last name, and then pulled the three words apart to make it De Ponce De Leon L E O N E. Right. So, yeah, you'd think that it would be some type of homage or something to the Explorer, but no, he hates the Explorer. Big big plot twist. I was like watching your favorite show <laughs> and not knowing a plot twist game. <sighs> oh. Daniel Ponce de Leon also, I asked him about, you know, the faith part of it because he's a, right. you know, a born-again Christian, but he's but he, he found God and found the Bible when he was going through all of this. And sure. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Sure, of course. Who doesn't? Well, what am I supposed to say to that? You what don't am have I to say anything. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> sure, yeah. Big Christian guy. Yeah, Bible, sure. Yeah. So born again. Sure. So he also says during the interview, though, that uh, he didn't know whether he was going to heaven, I think is what he said. I didn't know where I would be going when I passed away or something like that. So he found the Bible. And I, I thought, boy, that's an interesting follow up. You know, what happened in your life? Did you think that you weren't going to heaven? I don't know. Maybe I'm totally self-absorbed, but I just assume I'm going to heaven. You know, have you ever had the concern, uh oh, I might end up in hell? Yeah, today when you were over with Keith. <laughs> that thought crossed my mind, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know what? And by the way, should have crossed yours, Mr. Heaven Boy. Too. Yep. Eggs on my face. 
Little do I know that based on today's 720 segment, I'm going to hell. <laughs> All my assumptions were wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's some like old woman at like a Heaven's DMV and they're just waiting to press the red button instead of the green button. And they're like, ah, DA drop below the Mendoza line. Hit the red. He's going to hell. Number pest- E807, please step forward. Hello. <laughs> you pestered Pete too much about the calls. He read Dixieland Dan's second tweet. Uh, red button. Denied. <laughs> oh, come on. I think my do? smoker, though. I'm just reading tweets. It's a trash Tuesday. God, you got to let me in. It's part of the bit. Will DA get into heaven? It's where we begin. It's your cold open. Oh, man. We have had some morbid shows. <laughs> the DA ruin his chance to get to heaven. That's coming up next. The DA show, CBS Sports Radio. After the break. Oh, come on. I held the door all the time for old people. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. AB, side B, next. It is Side B of the PGP. It is Mraz, host of Side B and the executive producer of the DA show. Andrew, the bogeyman bogus is here as always. As we learned on Tuesday's show, not exactly a party animal, more of a happy hour guy. And he's happy to be here today. Hello, bogus. How are you? Are we cursing on the show today? Did you just say diggly or something else with like a C in in there? It came very close to being a, a bad word. Are you talking about a male private part? Yeah. No, I said dinkly, like D-I-N-C-K. Oh, all right, my bad, my bad. It's been dinkly. a long morning, having trouble hearing. How, howdy dinkly do. And it has been a long morning. Me and DA just highlighted as much as we could. Tuesday's show felt like a week's worth of shows, quite frankly, and we are taping this after Tuesday's show. So, again, thanks for listening to us here on the PGP. Maybe you're listening on Thursday. Maybe you're listening on Friday. Maybe it's the weekend. Maybe you're cutting some grass. Who knows whatever you're doing. But we are talking about this after Tuesday's show, which was a whale of a show. And if you didn't catch any of it, remember, you can catch it on Radio.com, iTunes, the whole show is podcastable on Tuesday show. Let me just start. I don't want to rehash any more than we have to on the awkwardness that happened over the phone call stuff, but just any quick reaction to that whole segment. DA uh, ushered an apology. I explained maybe where DA was a little bit wrong in bringing this on air inside a bogus. Any reaction that you have to what happened on Tuesday show? Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, it was definitely awkward and it was definitely um, a place where I think DA innocently stumbled into, but then put Pete in a tough spot because while we talk about almost anything on the show, there is somewhere in the distance a line. And usually that line involves like not angering our bosses. And that was a conversation because like it connects to the overall situation of the pandemic and economics and staffing and whatnot. So like for any way for Pete to defend himself in that situation, he's like straddling the line of taking a shot at management. And that's the last thing any of us want to do or put somebody else in the position to, to do. So um, like I said on the air, I wish that I had like a bail button where I could just drop out of the show and <laughs> not be involved and get in trouble by, by, by a connection. 
So in a weird way, maybe the happiest I was on Tuesday's show, and I had a lot of good laughs, but maybe the happiest I was was when you picked up your health insurance book and were skimming <laughs> through it because you just wanted to break the tension because, you know, it was just mere moments before that where I I don't handle tenseness necessarily well, which maybe isn't a good precursor if I ever get into a tense interview in my career or anything like that, but... I, at one point, I have one of these ring lights in front of me. I grabbed that, and I started just, like, sticking my head through it because I just have to, like, grab stuff. You know how they have those stress balls <laughs> back at like, yeah. the doctor's office back in the day? That's what I'm looking for in that spot because I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. I need something to kind of distract me because it's one of those things, like, you have to sit through it, right? Like, we had to listen. We were on the air. We need to be there for comment. But as I'm listening, my heart is pumping, and I end up taking – I'm wearing a button-down shirt for once, and I'm burying my head in it. And then DA calls me on it and says, what are you doing that for? And I I felt like saying, what am I doing it for? He acted so oblivious <laughs> to the fact that it could possibly be awkward. And I was like, what? And then the conversation continued. And then you had the book and you were doing that. So I was thankful and happy that you did that because then I, A, I knew I was not alone. And then B, I think that helped DA realize, oh, wait, things are more awkward in our tents. It's not just Mraz being a baby here. No, no, no. It was it was awkward. Now, it started in a kind of a normal awkward place because I just – I. No, I don't want to – as much fun as we have doing it, like, we can't anger Pete all of the time. So, like, right. you can poke the bear, you can push, and you can prod. But, like, sometimes we just – too much is enough. We need to move on or whatever. So, like, there was just that, like, awkwardness, and I was waiting for Pete to get – to be just become normal angry Pete. And then I'm trying to remember now the specific question that DA asked – I mean, oh, it might have been like, you know, should, does management know about this? Well, I mean, they're the ones that made the setup the way the setup is, where there's only one guy in the studio. So, of course, they know about it. So, And that was the first question where, like, if Pete answers it, then he's putting himself in a dicey spot with the bosses. So that's when I was like, I, we got to get out of this quickly. And like I said, the only thing that I could get to without getting out of my seat and leaving the shot on WatchDA.com was my health plan guidebook because our things are changing on april 1st so it just came in the mail recently so i meant to bring this up on side a and this is actually gonna i'm gonna have a follow-up into here at bogus with something that happened on monday show i feel truthfully like i have i I have worked with da and gotten to be good friends with da and, and co-workers and colleagues and everything else with that where we know i think the ins and outs of each other very well um, and that could ultimately lead to frustration at times with each other. God knows he's been frustrated with me. I've been frustrated with him, but ultimately we always have good laughs, and it's 95% of the time it's complete enjoyment and laughter, but you know, it's with those 5% where people are angry at one another where you're like, ooh, this is tough, this is tense. And so this happens on Tuesday's show where I think DA innocently stumbled in, but this followed Monday's show where I had sent a, a topic list on Sunday, and I failed to include the story about Dan Snyder from 106.7, the fan, possibly selling the team when I booked Grant Polson on the show. And it, DA had a response, for you guys who don't know, uh, in our topic list, which was, uh, it's not Dan Snyder stuff. Maybe send this story so we're all on the same page. And you could tell, like, there was that, that DA snipey angry at me that I'm not paying attention to detail. And I, okay, I could have sent the story. And full disclosure, the reason I didn't send the story wasn't really laziness. It was more I just thought we were on the same page because we had ended our Friday kind of discussion post-show that you guys aren't listen, worry, uh, privy to the listeners with. Book somebody from 106.7 The Fan in D.C. on this story. So I just assumed we were on the same page. It was a bad job by me. Fine. But then it prompted when Graham Paulson was on, Andrew Kaplan usually sends me some kind of GIF or GIF, however you want to call it, 
or meme of said guest with kind of a DA show backdrop. Like we have Friedman with the tacos, bogish. And then he didn't send me one for Grant Paulson. So I had to search for a picture that we could legally use, whether it's through the company or something. And I ended up putting a picture of Grant Paulson being bald up, which apparently was a bad Photoshop that our parent company, radio.com used. And boy, DA was ticked off. This guy has hair. It's, it's embarrassing to him. It's so obvious a Photoshop. Now I did not realize it was a Photoshop upon closer look. Maybe I should have, I also didn't have necessarily the time to digest the picture. I'm trying to tweet it up because I was kind of waiting the last minute for Kaplan to send it. And I'm not throwing Kaplan under the bus. He's got a million things going on. It was just lost in translation. I was trying to make sure we got the tweet up. I failed. Fine. He was angry about that. And he brings it up on the air and asks Paulson about it, even though we had already taken it down and Kaplan had given me the gift. And it was a whole Which I thing. can't believe he did, by the way. That, that, he got, that he asked Paulson about it, right? Yeah. That was the first, you're right. That was the oh. first awkward moment of the week. So... It's only, Again, this feels like a year ago that this happened with Paulson. But anyway, this is what I meant to say, Bogus, and tell me if you think I'm wrong because you've worked with DA enough now. I think, truthfully, with what's transpired these two days, I'm getting a sense of it. And maybe this is somebody who just came off a of vacation. I know Pete's had some days off. You took that Monday off. I think DA needs a day off, man. I think we're getting a little bit of a burnt-out DA where his – his patience has worn thin. You can always tell when that patience meter on DA wears a little thin. It's been a tough winter. We have all felt the brunt of it in the Northeast, but he's especially felt it because he's secluded up there. He has to wait for plow guys to get him out of his driveway. Uh, so it's that's a, he's out there skiing. He's snow tubing. It, it, is, it has been tough. He can't escape the cold like he usually does by now. By now, he's booked a trip to spring training normally, or he's gone away to Florida with the bourbon belt. He hasn't done any of that, and he's still fresh off work in the six days a week, every week during football season. I think D.A. is burnt. I think, to his credit, he doesn't want to necessarily waste days off when he can't necessarily go anywhere or comfortable going anywhere yet until this pandemic continues to calm down some. But I think we're getting a little bit, a little bit of a hint of a burnt-out DA, and I think it would do the show good if DA had a little, uh, either a three-day weekend, a couple days off, something like that. I think the guy needs a refresher, Bogues. How about you? You know what? Um, I was going to go with a hot take here that maybe part of the problem is is that have you been better at your job recently where there hasn't been issues like this to call you on, Oof. plus you were away so then he just took the chance to jump at something, which, I mean, was wasn't. I mean, it was a mistake. It was, but it's, and I still haven't seen the Grant picture yet, the original right. one. So I don't know how bad and embarrassing Look. it was. I don't even know. Did it make it on the air, or did he see it before it got put on the web? Like, I don't. I don't know all of the details because well, I didn't. I missed it. Somehow. I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know if Grant ever saw it tweeted. We ended up taking down the tweet and put up a gif. But I, again, I just want to make it clear. I am not trying to absolve myself for DA having any. Problem no, no, no. I know. I know. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out because you, you you're wondering I, why he got right. so worked up, and so am I. Well, and it was a piggyback to the the story not being included, and I explained why I didn't include the story. But that's fine. Hey, look, I, I should include the stories. Maybe I shouldn't assume anything, and that's totally fine. So I'm not trying to absolve myself and say DA didn't have any right to be annoyed. I just found maybe a little bit of an overreaction, and frankly, a little bit of a shot at me for being bald. I mean, you're acting like a bald picture is that terrible to have on the internet. But, uh, yeah, I, I think when you see him generally get worked up about things where I think on a normal day, under normal circumstances, I think I've done far worse at times over the last two months where he <laughs> yes. hasn't even batted an eye, whether it be a snarky response in an email or something on the air where I could have made a mistake and he's laughed about it. The fact that there was no laugh on that 
It felt like a little bit of an edgy Monday he came in, and then Tuesday didn't even realize that he was creating awkwardness, so much so that he had to apologize. I Look, just my two cents, having worked with him for so long and knowing when he usually takes off when he doesn't, I think he's missing that that refresher he usually has around this time of recharging the batteries. I really mm. do. I think there's something to that. Uh, you you know him better than I do. I I texted you what was going on on Monday. Like, is this? I couldn't tell at first if this was real anger or him just being extra sarcastic. <laughs> and you thought it was real anger, so you definitely know this better. I mean, you're right. I mean, he's worked a ton. He's resorted to to snow tubing by himself at one point recently. I mean, his fun now is digging fight a hole with, in ice. Right, fight with bird ladies at picture framing stores. Right, There's a lot going on up there. Maybe these are cries for help. Maybe he does. Maybe he needs the eject button, not me or you in that segment on Tuesday. Maybe he just needs to pretend it's a summer Friday, take a Friday off, get some extra sleep. If he wants to still go ice fishing, go ice fishing, but he can go at a more leisurely pace. Um, If he wants to sled solo, go ahead, do that as well. But just (laughs) clear his head, recharge those batteries, and then be nicer to you and Pete. And. You're next, by the way. I mean, he doesn't get a day off soon. I mean, well, the listeners week. took care of me on Tuesday. I, I think he's. I think he'll let go of me for a while. <laughs> You're next. And by the way, me even saying this and suggesting that he needs a day off. Boy, oh boy, this could go one of two ways when he listens. Either I'm going to get another reaming of how dare I tell him when he uses days, or it's going to be a positive. You know what, Verizon? I think he might be right. I think I'm going to day off. It's going to go one way or the other, and I just hope it doesn't go with that first way because I'm going to be in a world of hurt and just digging myself my own hole. And I could have just, by the way, I could have let this just side of the phone call stuff and not re-brought up what he was angry about on Monday, which I probably should have done too, but here we are on the PGP. What a disaster I put myself in. And I- and I agree with you. He probably does need a day off, but you will take the brunt of this. If it's negative, it'll be like I'm not even, not even here. This will all be about you telling him to take a day off. <laughs> of course, because it always is. All right. Well, uh, on that note, I think we can, <laughs> we can wrap this awkward Tuesday up and get us all our anxiety medication, calm it down, and come back and regroup on a Wednesday. Uh, real briefly, I do, DA alluded to this. I'm going to take the PGP as the time you're here on Radio.com or wherever to plug that I will beginning later this afternoon on Tuesday. You guys could probably find this if you go to WFAN and Radio.com's page. I will be hosting a New York Giants podcast. So if you're a Giant fan out there in the country, maybe you don't feel like you get enough of that talk nationally, check it out, WFAN.com. I think we've settled on a name, Bogus. Tell me what you think. G Wiz. Who's involved in this show? Is it just you? It's just me with uh, producer Ernie Acosta at WFAN, and they had to run. They had to ask me for, like, a name, and we could get this another time, like five names or so to run through to get to legal to approve, and legal's approved me doing this podcast, G-Wiz, like the G-Men and, like, G-Wiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Oh, man, I I love naming shows and podcasts for some reason. I don't know why that is, but this is a fun game. G-Wiz is good. One that got shot down because I was trying to go with, like, Giants Legends, I wanted to go with Tittle Tales. Tales. Like why a tittle? Yeah, that's too much. Like you just stumbled over it too. Like that's gonna be yeah. that's that's gonna be a tough one for this people to t- say and read. And, you know, tittles can become something a little dicey. A sh- so yeah, let's leave that out. And we know the podcast world is out is flooded, and there's so many giant ones, right? Like anything with the playoff of Big Blue is out there. Feeling Blue, locked on the giant. Yeah, I was gonna so go with many- Bigger Blue to play off your yeah, weird yeah. waste, but that probably would be mean, right? Yeah, I'm trying to avoid being fat on this, but we'll see. I mean, I'm sure that's going to creep its way into it. But uh, anyway, if, if you're a Giant fan, if you care, if you're a hater, um, I'm just this is the only time I'm really probably plugging on the PGP. I'm excited about it. It's a different venture. I get Well, congrats, do. by the way. I didn't Thank know about you. this until today, so congrats. Thank it's good you. for you. Yes. I'm excited for more Mraz magic.
Sure. Well, it's seemingly the company in general is looking to do in each local market their own team-specific short podcast. It's going to be about 20 minutes or so each week, and they want to kind of do fans of each team uh, of the talent at various companies in different markets doing that. And the company approached me and asked me if I'd want to do a Giants one. So, of course, I'm happy to branch out. A little extension of the pork store, if you will. Maybe I should have just called it the pork store. Who knows? But, yeah, it's going to be a weekly <laughs> weekly podcast, I think, put out Tuesdays. So I'm, pub- what, I'm pubbing um... it here on the PGP. How about that? What team did Pete get? Is he doing the Jets podcast? I good question. I don't know. I, that might be BT. Who knows? Maybe BT's involved in the Jet podcast. We'll see. BT's we'll see. doing the Knicks, baby. Yeah, Julius Randle. Right. That's right. St. John's when it pulsates through the shaft. Oh, uh, that's right. who. Well, folks, you can follow you on Twitter at Andrew Bogish, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mraz CBS. Have a great unawkward week, everyone. <laughs> We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 